Um, I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the land that we are sitting on today. We are sitting on traditional Dakota territory um, due to the displacement, the horrific um, genocide that was perpetrated upon the original inhabitants of what we call Turtle Island. Um, many of my relatives are not here today, but there are many that are. Um, we are resilient people. Um, Bujo, the indigenous cause, Makarewa Banesi. Hello, my name is Black Thunderbird. My colonized name is Misty Babineau. I am a climate justice organizer and lobbyist with Minnesota 350. Um, I just wanted to take, I apologize, I've never had 30 minutes in front of a room. Um, I usually just speak what, what comes to heart, but I did want to take a few moments to explain um, the roots of the organization that I work for. Um, so we are a local group of the national350.org organization. That organization was found in 2008 by Bill McKibben and some college students. He wrote one of the first um, climate change books written for the general public. Um, there was a call to action in 2009 and a group of Minnesotans met under the Stone Arch Bridge and they founded this chapter. Um, the term 350 comes from the parts per million of carbon that there is in our atmosphere. Um, scientists broadly agree that 350 is the safe level. We are currently over 400. So a little bit about me and how I came to be um, in this movement. I, uh, I spent a lot of my time as a youth in the foster care system. Um, I've lived all over Minnesota. I have a deep love for, for this, this territory we call Minnesota. Um, from the grasslands to the boreal forest to the numerous countless lakes and rivers that we have. Um, I just, I really love our mother earth. Um, as an Ojibwe, I was taught the health of our communities is directly proportionate to the health of our planet. Our common ground is the ground that we stand on. And if that ground and that water and that air is not okay, we're not gonna be okay. I think it was um, a few years ago, I had children um, and I was thinking about, yeah, there's no time now. I looked around at the world and I knew that I had to do everything I could to make it a world where they would be able to survive, where they would have opportunities to thrive. Um, so I started doing some like low energy uh, audits for um, community members and smaller businesses. Um, and then I thought that's not doing enough. So maybe if I get into construction and I make sure that the new buildings that are being built are energy efficient, they're using resource materials and stuff, that that would be a way to help build this better future for my children. Um, and I think I knew that, that that wasn't drastic enough for me. Um, and then Standing Rock happened. And I knew I couldn't stay silent anymore. I watched my relatives being brutalized, all for the sake of trying to protect water that millions depend on. Um, sorry. So what does climate justice mean to me? There were, uh, Bailey? Bailey touched on it in her speech when she was talking about the connection between social justice and environmental justice. Um, these are terms that we use 
And I've been with Minnesota 350 for about two years now, and I've noticed this um, shift that what we would traditionally consider social justice issue groups and environmental groups are moving towards one another. And that's a beautiful thing to see. Um, this country was built on the blood and bones of the original inhabitants. Our government was set up in a way that the oppressors stayed in power and the oppressed stayed oppressed. And I firmly believe that we all won't be able to move forward together unless we are genuinely moving together in a good way. And what does that mean? I am privileged that I have a job that allows me to fight for what I believe in, that provides me a steady paycheck to provide a roof for my children. So how do I use that privilege? I show up at the Capitol, I lobby for bills or against bills um, that would be bad for our, our environment. Um, and there's also been this interesting shift within the organization as a whole where we are starting to use this privilege that we have to be able to show up to stand on social justice issues. Um, so how do those th two things relate? How does the fossil fuel industry affect sex trafficking? There is gonna be a, Enbridge is trying to build a tar sands oil pipeline through northern Minnesota that will go through several reservation boundaries. It will clip the Mississippi headwaters. It will clip the Mississippi again. Um, and this is something that people don't think about. So we have all these construction workers that will be in our state. Most of them are coming from Oklahoma, out of state. They're coming here for long periods of time. They're leaving their families at home. They have a lot of money. The temptation to spend that money on drugs and women is often too much for these men to resist. So when they're coming through and they're building these pipelines, women in these communities are going missing. So how do we use our privilege to stand for those women? And it's not just the women, it's our boys too. And that ties back to the social issues. Because this, well, the fossil fuel industry adds to the number of sisters who are taken from us. This is an epidemic that has faced our people for 500 years. Christopher Columbus was the first sex trafficker. He was the first person to take our sisters and sell them. For us, sorry, I'm getting a little emotional. Um, I think we all understand, right, that there is a change. When you look scientifically, our maple trees are moving north. I sat in a committee hearing this legislative session and I heard people much smarter than me um, state that my boreal forests, my medicines, they're gonna be gone in 50 years. Minnesota's not gonna look like Minnesota anymore. We're gonna look like Kentucky. And that broke my heart. I shared with you my name that my ancestors gave me. Part of that is I'm a part of the Bear Clan in my tribe, and the Bear Clan is responsible for knowing those medicines and protecting those medicines. And to hear that teachings, medicines, these plants that my people have used for millennia are gonna be gone, it's heartbreaking. And I refer to these plants as medicines because that's what they are. My people took hundreds and thousands of years to figure out what these plants could be used for. And it's not pagan witchcraft. 
It has actually been scientifically proven that sage removes the bacteria from the air. And when we burn that sage, we're using it to cleanse. The cure for cancer could be right out there in the field. Anxiety, the numerous health reason, health causes that take our loved ones could be right out there and we don't have to pay for it. And we're losing that. When I think about my community, I often think about the other communities who have been left behind. I graduated from Lincoln Elementary in North Minneapolis. And I, when I was over there recently, and to hear the fear and the worry in mothers talking about their children having asthma due to the air that they have to breathe, and you compound that with the worry of being able to afford that medical assistance, well, what if I lose my job? Do I qualify for the county? The thought of your child not being able to breathe is something that no mother, no father, no grandmother, no auntie or no uncle should ever have to think about. So how do we, how do we unite, right? And I think there are so many answers to that. And there is so much hope I've only been focused on the legislature for a couple of years, but we've had so many successes. And the one thing that I've learned is that when we show up in numbers, when we show up and we bring our friends and we show up for our friends, we all are doing better. And by removing barriers to communities traditionally left behind, then we can quit asking ourselves well, how is, how is it best? How do we best represent these stories? Well, we don't have to worry about that anymore because they'll be with us. We all have a unique perception and view of the world, and we're going to need all of that. I know the science is scary. Sometimes I can't breathe when I read those reports, and I think that we only have 10 years. And I'll cry, and I'll go home, and I look at my kids. But we have 10 years to build the future. We have 10 years to dismantle the systems of oppression and pollution to build something beautiful. What if instead of city zoning, we thought about community planning? What if you lived within walking distance of your doctor, of your community garden, of your workplace? These are the things that are possible. Countries across the ocean are doing this. You have countries who are banning fuel-injected automobiles by 2030. We can do that here. We are very fortunate here in this state to have so many natural resources, and I think sometimes we take that for granted. The land of 10,000 lakes, and we all know that's Minnesota nice for 12,000, and was it 482? Um, and we're leaders here. We have the strictest environmental regulations um, for the most part in the country. And I really feel that if we all were to come together to leave our labels and what separates us at the door and really ground ourselves in the ground, there's nothing we can't do together. I've seen it. I watched our governor argue with the Republican <laughs> candidate about who loves line three more. I was apprehensively happy when Walls Flanagan won the election um, just because I considered him to be the lesser of two evils. And what did people power do? What did that unity do this year? 
Well, we got Tim and Peggy to refile the Line 3 appeal. We got Tim to say that climate change is real, and that's something that is a priority for his administration. They are legitimately talking about putting through some of the amendments in the 100% renewable clean energy bill that was put forth this year by Representative Jamie Long. We are making progress, and we're also showing up for those causes that prevent our neighbors from interacting in this. I think sometimes it's easy or maybe human of us to feel so weighed down. When you're going to these events, you're going to these hearings, you're going to these public meetings, and it's that same group of people, right? Like that same 40 people that you see everywhere. Now what if we had childcare at these events? What if we were passing out bus cards and gas cards for our community members and our neighbors to attend? Well, then we wouldn't feel so lonely. And we would see that this movement is bigger than what's being shown to us right now. There, and I do firmly believe that we do need to take our lead and our guidance. And this is a tricky word, that's why I'm stumbling. Um, I do not like being referred to as indigenous. I feel like that dehumanizes me and puts me in a large group. I am an Anishinaabe. I am Ojibwe. And I think I, our people knew how to live in harmony with the land. We didn't have prisons. There were no locks because everybody had a role. Everybody was taken care of. And that's not something that was a story that was passed down. That's in my DNA. When we see these horrific environmental disasters, I legitimately cry. And that, that pain comes from deep inside of me. That's in my blood, to love this land, to be here. It's in my DNA to fight and to think about the seven generations coming after me. So I encourage you all to do some deep reflection. And I want you to think about the world that you want your great-great-grandbaby to grow up in. What does it look like? What does her community look like? What does his education look like? And I want you to talk to your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers, because chances are they have something similar. Share your ideas, organize, reach out. There is so much more good in this world than there is darkness. And when we look at the political landscape of the country that we are in right now, I know there's a lot of hatred and fear for a president. And I know this may be unpopular, but I think he was meant to teach us a lesson. He was meant to reinforce the belief that love will always, always outshine hate. And I firmly believe that. And looking around at those of you who came to be here this morning, I am incredibly honored to stand before you and share my words. And I just really encourage you to envision the world that you want because it is possible and we can build it together. Thank you.